Good evening and welcome back. It's been a bit of a break. Before we start, um, just to give you by, by word of introduction, I'm going to start discussing Halakha's official, which we discussed about 12 years ago, 11 and a half years ago, here in the hall. Uh, it's been a long time, so I think we'll do. We'll go through them again. Very interesting halakhas. But we're going to have to break in the middle because I've asked Rabbi Coleman uh, to come in after Yom Tov and give us a refresher course on Bedikas Taloim. So the, we had it about five, six years ago. We, we had a, a Coleman. course. Rabbi Coleman. Sorry, Rabbi Coleman. Sorry. Rabbi Coleman, you're right. Rabbi Coleman to come in uh, after Shavuos. So I hope it'll be the two sure and following from Shavuos, two or three, depending how long it takes him to give us a, a refresher course on Bidikas Tulloin. We had it here about five years ago, and I think it's time that we were updated. The, the, the problem with the bugs are they don't have to stay the same. What happened five years ago is not the same as it is today. Everything changes. Today, lettuce is not as bad as it used to be, and cabbage is absolutely fine, and other things, the blueberries have become worse. And so to give us a bit of an update and a refresher so we know where we're up to. So that will, why that's relevant now is because though I'm going to be starting as official, Yes, this will take us a number, a number of shurim. It's not going to be one, two, or three shurim. It's quite a few shurim. So we might have to make a break in the middle to discuss the deacons below him. I hope you don't mind. But he's agreed to do it, and I just have to arrange the timing with him, Be'ez Hashem. Okay, so let's make a start. We're going to discuss the halakha of the bishop, as I said. Uh, the halakha of the bishop have a number of different aspects to them. And because we're, we're starting like we did in the previous shurim, the previous, the previous set of shurim with the Shabbos, we, we started off by talking about the preparation for Shabbos, so we're going to talk about the halachas of Bishul, which you meet first when it comes to preparing for Shabbos. Meaning, yes, there's halachas of Bishul, not cooking on Shabbos, which are relevant to Shabbos. But we would like to start the bit before Shabbos. What am I allowed to do before Shabbos? What am I, not, am, am I not allowed to do before Shabbos, which are relevant to the halachas of Bishul? And we'll see that the, what we're discussing is primarily the halachas of Shahir. Am I allowed to keep a pot on a gas before Shabbos and allow it to continue cooking through Shabbos? Now normally we say that any malacha, any action which is started before Shabbos and it then finishes off on Shabbos is absolutely fine. And there's no problem with that. I can leave a machine running if I switch it on before Shabbos and allow it to run on Shabbos. I can light my fire before Shabbos and allow it to burn on Shabbos. I can switch my lights on before Shabbos and allow them to continue to burn throughout Shabbos. And there's no problem with that. That's quite clear. As long as I don't actually do the action of a malacha on Shabbos, I have no problem. When it comes to Bishel, be it that min be biblically, I'm only not allowed to put food on the gas, food on the fire on Shabbos, and we'll discuss it at a later date exactly what's called food and which food may I not put on and what's called on the fire. But the biblical command of Bishop is not to put raw food on the fire, because in the time of the Mishkan, they would cook, in the Mishkan they would cook the dye in order to be able to dye the cloth and, uh, that was needed for the Mishkan. So they cooked as part of the preparation of the building on the Mishkan, they would cook, and therefore cooking becomes now one of the Lama Tess Malachas, as all the Lama Tess Malachas were the Malachas that were done in the Mishkan. Therefore, we've got to refrain from cooking on Shabbos. Cooking in its simplest form means not to put food on the gas on Shabbos. If I put food on the gas on Shabbos, chas v'shalom, I've transgressed a biblical command of not cooking on Shabbos. If I put a challah in the oven on Shabbos, I've transgressed the biblical command of not baking on Shabbos. And that's simple, that's straightforward. And therefore, it should follow that if I then take a pot of food and put it on the gas before Shabbos so it's permitted to put food on the gas before Shabbos I've done the action of cooking before Shabbos there should be no problem to do that leave it on the gas and let it cook throughout Shabbos and take it off whenever you fancy that should be the simplest follow on 
when it comes to Hilkha Fischl, if we have the same criteria for Bishop as we have when it comes to any other monocle, just like I can light a fire and leave it burning through Shabbos, I should be able to put my pot on the gas and leave it burning for Shabbos. However, however, this is where life becomes a little bit more complex. Chazal understood that the, the risks around Bishop were far greater than any, in any other monocle, or many of the other monocles. And they were worried that if we allowed you to leave a pot of food on the gas before Shabbos, that you would inadvertently because you want to make sure your food is good, right? Every housewife is proud of their food. You want to make sure that the food on Friday night and Shabbat morning is going to be perfect. So you would inadvertently come and do something which would be a transgression of a biblical command. And primarily what they were worried about was that if you imagine yourself cooking in the time of Chazal, or you had a, an oven, and the oven would be shaped like a, some sort of beehive or funnel, and you'd have your little pot on top, or a big pot on top, and you'd have your coals on, in the little hole at the side where you put your coals in, and you were lifting up the lid every few minutes to see if the pot was cooked or not cooked, if it was bubbling, if it wasn't bubbling, and you realize that it stopped bubbling because the coals had lost some of their heat. So what you would do is you would take a shovel, and you would then turn the coals to try and create some more heat, because that's how coals work. If you leave coals burning, there, eventually the heat subsides, and you have to reignite the heat of the coals. And you have to constantly, what Chazal called, you have to shovel the gecholim to in order to rejuvenate the heat the fire of the coals. So that would be the normal process of, of cooking. A process of cooking is not like it is nowadays where you just put it on and leave it there. Maybe today you turn the gas down after a few minutes once it's boiled and you just leave it. You rarely have to come and fiddle with the fire up, down, up, down, up, down unless you're, you're slightly neurotic and worried about, about your food. But most people leave it cooked for, you know, on a, on a set heat and that's, that's how it will cook. In the time of Chazal it was much more complex. You have to end up constantly going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards to the oven, checking the state of the coal and re-sometimes adding a bit of coal or stoking the coal to make sure that the flame is hot enough to cook your food. So therefore, the process of cooking, it would be wrong to say that just putting it on is the only problem when it comes to Shabbos. Chazal understood that there's a worry if we allow you to put the pot on the oven, on the fire just before Shabbos, or Friday afternoon or whenever it is, you might end up coming back to soak the coals throughout the cooking process, which will therefore mean Friday night, Shabbos morning, when the food is still cooking, you will be soaking the coals, which of course soaking the coals is a monocle of Havora of creating a fire. So in order to prevent somebody from inadvertently stoking the coals on a Shabbos, they ban food from being left on the fire before Shabbos. That's the simple understanding. That's what the halach is called shihir, the isa, that which is forbidden to be shayat, to be shihir, to leave a pot on the fire on Shabbos. Now you're looking at me and you're saying, say, if that's the case, how can I leave my shalom on, and how can I leave my fried night soup on, etc. So we need to discuss the parameters of the halach of shihir so we know that we are allowed to, when we are allowed to, when we're not allowed to. But the background to the halach is an extension to the, the malach of Bishul, which was found in the Beit Mikdash, which was found in the Mishkan. It's an extension by Chazal in order to prevent us from actually coming to do a different malacha. Not the malacha of Bishel. Well, I suppose it will be a malacha of Bishel because I'm stoking the fire and, uh, and the flame then becomes greater and hotter and it now cooks. And it wouldn't have cooked before and then I've done a malacha of Bishel. The Rambam tells us the malacha of Bishel has many different aspects to it. Bringing the wood to the fire is a malacha of Bishel. Putting the pot on the fire is a malacha of Bishel. Mixing the fire, mixing the food. Stirring is a malach of Bishel in certain cases. We'll discuss all those when we talk about Bishel itself. Bishel has many aspects to it. And Chazal therefore extended the malach of Bishel to a drabonical shihir. We have another extension, 
which is called Chazor, which we will discuss a bit later. Once I've cooked it and I've taken it off the fire on Shabbos, can I put it back on the fire on Shabbos? Is there a problem? Is there not a problem? And that's again a rabbinical problem called Chazor, returning a pot to a fire on Shabbos. Because when it comes to cooked food, we will discuss at length that a food which is already cooked cannot be cooked again. You can't double cook a food. A cooked food is cooked. If I've cooked my meat, once it's cooked, it's cooked. So technically speaking, if I would take a cooked food, my cooked meat, my cooked chicken, and I would put it on the fire, on Shabbos, I've done nothing wrong. I've done nothing wrong. Uh, I'm not cooking. It's cooked already. I can't re- recook a cooked food. The definition of cook is when you transform the food. You've got to change the actual food from something from A to B. So if it's raw to cooked, you've got to transform, you've got to make a, a, a physical change in the, in the actual food. If I've taken food which is cooked, I'm just cooking it a bit more, I'm not really changing physically the, the meat, I'm just drying it out a bit more, I'm not actually changing the, the format of the meat. From raw to cooked is, is a fundamental change. So for instance, we might find that if you bake something and you then cook it, that could be considered cooking on Shabbos. Because if I bake something, I've only baked it, by cooking it, I'm giving it a different a different aspect of heat, different type of heat, that will transform the food into something different. So they may be bishop after fear. They may be you may be able to cook after roasting. But once it's cooked, ain't bishop after bishop, and that's an accepted halacha. We'll discuss all the other aspects of that. Is a bishop after fear? Is a bishop after roasting? We'll discuss as we go through the halachas of bishop. But bishop is a very complex malacha in the sense that there's many aspects to the malacha of bishop. What we're going to focus on today is just purely the malacha of the halacha of shihir. Am I allowed to leave my pot on the fire? Am I not allowed to leave my pot on the fire? And how did Chazal understand? What were the criteria that Chazal gave us to allow you to leave a pot on the fire? And when did they say you mustn't leave a pot on the fire? So in order to understand that, we need to first understand different types of foods. We need to go through a different, different lists of types of levels of cooked food, I should say. Levels of food which is cooked and uncooked. Different levels of food. There's actually four levels of food. Four levels of cooked, cookingness. I don't know if that's an English word. Uh, but uh, I think you get what I mean when it comes to foods that are being cooked and prepared for a meal. The first is you can have a fully cooked food. A fully cooked food, right? That's the simplest level, a fully cooked food. But the fully cooked food can be divided into two parts. You have a, a fully cooked food that if you can't continue to cook it, it will become less edible. That's what Chazakul Mitzamit Muraloi. It shrinks and becomes worse. So for instance, you have a, a well done piece of meat. You then go and cook it a bit longer becomes drier, becomes more stringy, becomes less palatable. It's mystomach viralloy. As it cooks more, it gets worse. You've got to cook it to the point that you need to cook it. After that, it's no good. And we all know when it comes to uh, yomta, if you're trying to heat up your meat, and you want to make sure that it's just right, it doesn't get too dry, it doesn't get too, you've got to get gravy, and you've got to make a yomta basic to keep your meat where it is. Meat is something that is mystomach viralloy. You take chicken, the more you cook the chicken, the drier it's going to get, the, 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 more, the, more, the less, less uh, edible it will be, and, and less little shrink, and the less chicken you have there. Uh, you, got to, you want to cook a chicken, it's got to be just right. Something which is fully cooked can still actually have some sort of chemical change afterwards, drying it out, whatever it may be, but that's with stomach virality. There's other foods where it's completely cooked. I'm not much of a cook myself, so don't, don't, I'm just explaining to you what Hazal says, and nothing to do from personal experience. Other, other foods that you cook, the longer you cook them, the better they become. An example of that would be a chalun. It's the simplest. Uh, a burnt chalun for some people is a far, far better chalun than a chalun which is swimming in, in, in juice. That's not chalun. That's a soup. Uh, a chalun has got to be... You've got to keep on the whole night and you've got to make sure it's on the fire and off the fire and you've got to make sure it's just... just that's a, a type of food that's probably called mystomach reopolate. 
the longer it cooks, the better it is. I don't know of any other foods that I can't give you any. I'm not much of a cook, as I said, so I don't know which other foods would fit into which categories, but you're much better at cooking than I am, so you'll be able to work those out for yourself. But there's two types of fully cooked foods. One is a fully cooked food that will improve as it continues to cook. The other is a fully cooked food that will become less edible as you continue to cook. So that's the first two stages under the category of fully cooked foods. Then there's a third stage, which is known as partially cooked food. And this is very relevant to a lot of partially cooked food. A partially cooked food, in the terms of, in the words of Chazal, is a, a food that's called Macho Ben Drusoy. There was a highwayman called Mr. Ben, ben Drusoy at the time of Chazal, who, who was so busy taking things from everybody else, he didn't have time to cook his food properly. And he would cook his meat partially and eat it, partially cooked. And evidently that's enough cooked for a food to be considered edible, but it's not considered fully cooked. How much is considered Michael ben How much did he cook it for? Did he cook it for half the cooking time? So if you imagine uh, a piece of meat needs half an hour to cook, I don't know, I might be completely off, so don't laugh at me if I say half an hour, I might be completely off, it might be way too much, it might be way too little, I've got no idea. But if you tell me a piece of meat needs half an hour to be cooked, and he would cook it for 15 minutes. He didn't have the time to wait for the next 15 minutes. 15 minutes was just half cooked, was just perfect. Obviously, you only cooked it a third. You only cooked it a third. So if it was 30 minutes for a piece of meat, we would cook it for 10 minutes. A third of the cooking time. But Michael Benjusai is evidently a, a level of cooking where the food is cooked, but it's edible, but not fully cooked. And it's a type of cook, cooked food that most people wouldn't eat because it's just not fully cooked. It's partially cooked. And then nowadays they have rare meat. I don't know if that's called Michael Benjusai or not Michael Benjusai. I wouldn't touch it because it looks like it's uncooked. But many people love rare meat, right? So it's very harsh of rare meat today. It looks like it's totally not cooked. But maybe that's Michael Benjusai, maybe that's not. Michael Benjusai was whatever the time, the normal time for, for cooking that item was, part cooked would be either half or third cooked. That's Michael Benjusai. Michael Benjusai has connotations when it comes to the halakhas of fish. And finally, you have a food which is not cooked which means it's either totally raw or it's not yet reached the level of microbendrosoy. They both have the same category, they both have the same status. Anything which I've begun to cook or not yet begun to cook and hasn't reached the level of being partially cooked, so it's not called partially cooked yet, it's still raw, it's not yet reached a third of its cooking time or half of its cooking time, then that's considered completely and utterly raw. Completely and utterly raw. Okay, those are the four types of foods when it comes to the level of how much cooked they are, how, how, how cooked they are. Now we have to discuss a, another aspect of cooking, which is extremely relevant to the halakhas of Shia. Not so relevant to the halakhas of Bishal, but very relevant to the halakhas of Shia. It would be nice if I had time to go through the different types of ovens that they had in the time of Chazal, but we won't, we won't go through that because it's, it's a little bit complex and a bit out, out of the box here, not really relevant. But what we do need to discuss is the different types of levels of heat that existed in the time of Chazal. And, and Chazal described the heat, so you must imagine we're talking about an oven. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about an old-fashioned oven, an earthenware oven with a little hole at the bottom where you would stuff your coal in, and a little hole at the top where you would uh, put your pot, and it was probably angled at, a, at an angle, or it was square, and the heat would rise and cook your pot sitting on the top of this earthenware oven, and that's the type of heat source that Chazal are referring to. So, let, let's go through the different levels of heat that Chazal talk about, because they're relevant, very relevant to the halakhas of Shia. So the first, of course, is coals. Coals is hot coals. Hot coals is the primary source of heat. Hot coals would be equivalent today to fire. Hot coals are coals that, not a piece of wood, you take the wood, you plant it, it's now cold. 
that coal is the primary source of heat in the time of Chazal to an oven. It's the type of heat that needs attention. It needs attention. It needs raising, sometimes dropping. Sometimes you take a bit, a bit of the coal out because it's too hot. Sometimes you put more coal in. Sometimes you will just soak the coal. It's, it's the, the primary source of heat, but it needs attention. In today's terms, the equivalent to coals today, we don't have coals in our, in our ovens, we don't have coals in our gas stoves, but the equivalent to that would be a, a normal gas stove, a normal oven would be considered the heat of coal. Why do we make the analogy between coals and ovens? Because our ovens have heat dials. Our gas has a heat dial, and you can make it higher and you make it lower. So any source of heat, primary source of heat, that can be raised or lowered is considered the category of the cholim, the category of coals, and whatever applies, whatever Chazal said about coals would apply to those heats too. Okay, that clear so far so good? That's simple. Then we have another source of heat, which is known as what Chazal called kash ugvava, which is really like a, a, a heat of straw, hot straw, or, or wood chips, or something like that, which doesn't really actually cook food. It doesn't have enough of a source of heat to cook food. If you try and heat up straw, the heat is only limited. Uh, you can't cook on it because eventually the straw will burn away and it's not going to help you stoking it, it's going to do very little to it. The source of heat is not enough heat to cook, but it was perfect heat to keep food at a temperature that would be palatable to eat afterwards. And that's called the heat of kasha It has no ability to be raised or lowered, none of that applied. Once you, hit, you heated up your straw and you put it around your pot, it was the heat stayed until the straw completely burnt out and it kept your food hot enough for a while so that you could be able to serve it hot without having to keep it on the oven where the risk of keeping it on the oven was it would dry out and the food wouldn't be as palatable and edible as you would like it to be. So therefore we have a, a second source of heat called kashugvava. In modern day terms, a kashugvava is very hard to actually find a kashugvava in modern day terms because everything's changed over the last few years. But if we talk about a hot plate, if you imagine an old English hot plate, we don't talk about Israeli hot plates because they're very hot. The, uh, an old English hot plate was just the right heat. You couldn't turn it up, you couldn't turn it down. And they, they, they had no ability to raise the level of heat or to reduce the level of heat. It was a set heat which comes with a hot plate, and nowhere near hot enough to cook. Just perfect to keep a food at the temperature that you put it on. So, or a hot oven. Might be the same type of thing. A hot oven, I have not much experience with hot ovens, but I imagine a, a, an old-fashioned hot oven wasn't hot enough to actually cook. If you put a pot of food in the, in the oven, you'd have to wait about three weeks for it to cook. But it would keep it warm enough that it would be, it would be, it would be the right temperature when you serve it, and you'd be able to serve hot food without keeping your gas on. That would be equivalent to cash or grubber, a type of heat, a source of heat which is not able to cook, doesn't have any dials that I can turn it up or down, but just enough to preserve the heat of the food. Then we have a third type of, of heat. And uh, if you imagine an oven, and you've cooked your pot on the oven, you don't have any straw, you don't have any wood chips or whatever it may be to keep the heat of your pot at the temperature that you would like it, but you've got an oven. So if you leave the coals in the oven, you're going to end up with a heat which is going to dry out your food and make your food not, the, not as exactly cooked as you would like it. So then there was a third option which Chazal which in the time of Chazal was very common, and that would, what they would do is, that when they finished, when the food had reached the level of cooking that was just right, they would then take a shovel and remove all the coals from the oven, but the oven would still retain the heat, because it's an earthenware urban, oven, so the walls were hot, and it, for a while, the heat inside the oven would be retained, and would keep the heat of the food 
where you would like it to be. It wouldn't cook it anymore. There wasn't any new source of heat. The coals had been removed. That's called Gorif the cotton. They would either put some earth on top of the coals to, de- to remove the, the flames and stop the, le- the level of heat that coals did have. It would dampen the, the, the fire. And then all it, all it would be was a retention heat. Or they would remove the coals. And I would have heat, heat retained inside the oven, inside the earthenware oven, which would enable the food to remain hot for a period of time. That's a, a third type of heat called Gorif the cotton. Gorif the cotton. Today, again, a gorif of cotton is very hard to find in modern, in, in modern gases because we can't remove the gas, right? We can't just take the gas out. And the moment you take the gas, you stick the gas off in your oven, the oven cools down in a few minutes. Yeah. It'll stay hot for about 10 minutes. 15 minutes won't stay very, very hot at all because uh, it's metal. Metal cools down. Metal will cool down quite quickly. Uh, the, uh, the environment around us is cold. It doesn't retain heat. But yes, maybe that type of heat. But what we compare today, and this is strange, and we will discuss it at a later date, what we compare today to gore for cotton is using a blech. Using a blech. The purpose of why we put a blech on, on our cookers, and we'll discuss whether it actually does work or doesn't work, and why we uh, are making and why some people are not making which is actually a much later <coughs> huge discussion in the past whether the blechs work at all to serve, do they serve the purpose that, that we would like them to serve, but in, in modern day, the equivalent to gore for cotton would be putting a blech on. When, if you imagine the old days, I remember the old cookers, if you put the blech on, only in those days asbestos, you put a, a blech on an asbestos mat on top of the, uh, the flame would be reduced, it would, it would drop because the amount of air around the gas was, was limited and the, 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 there wasn't more gas, it wasn't sufficient so you, you would end up with a much smaller flame so I put my flame on lowest, put the black on it and it would drop and all I'd have left was a little bit of flame there just enough that would keep the food on the black hot but not really enough to cook etc. Today we have really efficient cookers the electric and, and gas and you put your black on it doesn't make a slight difference the heat comes straight through and it's as hot as uh, after about a minute or two, once the black heated up through the, because of the flame, it really does come through. But you know what? I'm not going to argue with the minig of the world. The minig of the world is that we do rely on blacks. And we'll discuss it when we learn in the Lachas of Chazar a bit more in detail. But a black, the purpose and what we're trying to achieve with a black is the gore of the cotton. The, the equivalent of removing the coals from the oven or damping the coals down with, the, with earth covering up with a bit of earth so the heat isn't, isn't as intense as it was, the, part, the flame's not there, there's just a retention heat rather than a continuous new heat. Are we clear? So let's just run through that again because then we're going to talk about the, the two different views when it comes to keeping food on, on the on the cooker on Shabbos. We have to stop before quarter past because Mario is at quarter past today. So apologies will be slightly shorter share today. I hope you don't mind. We'll get you home a bit quicker. The so let's just run through. We have to remember that we have four types of four levels of food that's been cooked. We have fully cooked food that A to continue cooking it would be negative, would would not be a positive thing for the food. Or a fully cooked food that continuing to cook it would be positive for the food. We then have a partially cooked food, which is Michael Bendrasoy, either half cooked or a third cooked. And we have food which is not cooked, uncooked food, which is anything that's not, anything from raw up until a third cooked. That will be considered uncooked food, raw food. We then now have uh, three levels of heat. We have the primary level of heat, which is primary source of heat, which is cold, which is equivalent to our gas, or an oven which is on, electric oven, a gas oven when it's light. We have Kashuk which is a completely different source of heat 
it's more like it's a, a source of heat of a hot plate. A slow cooker will discuss what is a slow cooker because a slow cooker does cook, but it cooks over a very long period of time. So what's the definition of a slow cooker? We'll discuss those uh, at, the, at the later date. We won't get that today. And then we have a third source of heat, which is known as Gorov the cotton, a source of heat which is fire, but it's not primary source of fire. The actual source of fire has been removed, and the heat is retained either through the fact that the coals are still there, but they've been covered over with earth, or by the coals being taken out, and the earthenware, or whatever type of walls of the oven was in those days, would retain the heat and keep the food therefore hot. Right, now, as we said at the beginning, Chazal understood that if we would la- allow you to leave your pot of food on the flame before Shabbos, so they should cook throughout Shabbos and then it will be perfectly ready when it comes Friday night after Shul, you have a beautiful, wonderful, hot meal ready for you, they understood that if we do that, there's enormous risks that might come into play. And that is, that in order to keep it and, and allow it to cook perfectly, you're going to have to constantly stoke the fire. So, to prevent that, Chazal said no. No food may be left on the gas on Friday. But they gave in, in, in certain conditions attached. I mean, certain criteria, when may I, when may I not leave my pot of food on the fire. And as everything in Judaism, it's not black and white. So the, there is a huge machlekes in the Shulchan Aruch as to what was the, the exact parameters of when may I and when may I not put the gas, put my, leave my pot on the fire on Friday and just take it off the shops. So, the first view, which is the view of the Mechaber, the first view in the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch actually quotes both views. The first view in the Shulchan Aruch is as follows. Any food that's completely cooked, any food that's completely cooked, and to continue cooking it would be negative for the food, can be left on the flame on, on Friday. If I take my meat and it's perfectly cooked, I put it on the fire, I put it on the fire, and if I'm going to stoke that fire, what's going to happen? It'll cook even more, but I don't want it to cook even more. Because if it cooks even more, it's going to be detrimental for the food that's in the pot. Then we're not worried that you're going to come and stoke it. So therefore, you're allowed to, no problem, take the cooked food, that piece of meat, leave it on the flame before Shabbos, fully cooked, where you know that the continuous cooking is just going to be negative. It's not going to make the food perfect as you want it. Therefore, there's no chance that you're going to come and stoke that coal on the contrary. You want the coal to go out, so the, the, the heat will just be a retention heat, and your food will be perfect. You're never going to come to stoke those coals. Say, Chazal, no problem. Leave your pot on the fire on Friday. We don't have to worry about that. That's fine. There's no problem. If, however, you have a pot which is fully cooked, whereby the continuous cooking would improve the actual food in the pot, it would make it a better food, then we have a worry here. You've got 50 guests coming tonight, and you want to really show them that you're a perfect cook, right? That's what the whole purpose of, of the meal is, to show what a fantastic cook I am. And you're going, to, you're going to give them seven courses. So you're worried. You want that meat to be perfect. You want to be better than perfect. You want it to cook and, and improve. And you come into the kitchen, you see that the coals are not where they should be. They're not as hot as, they were, as you would like them to be. So there's a chance you would come to stoke it. If continuous cooking would, would improve the food, can't leave the pot on the You cannot leave the pot on the So with, when we have fully cooked food on the flame, and it's not, it's not going to improve, it's going to, it's going to be detrimental for the food to keep, to keep cooking it, no problem, keep it on. We don't have to worry that you're going to stoke it. If it's going to improve, then we're worried you're going to stoke it, take it off. Don't leave it, on, don't leave it on, the, on the gas. You're not allowed to leave it on the gas. Partially cooked food is like this. If I have a partially cooked food, it's ready, the process of cooking has already begun. It's already begun. It makes no difference if it's 
partially begun or partially cooked where there's Michael ben Jusoy and not Michael ben Jusoy, then I have a problem. If I have that pot on the flame, there's a really good chance I'm going to come and stoke the fire because I want, that, want to make sure that when it comes to the main course of the meal, my food is ready cooked. So I'm going to get nervous. So when I'm nervous, I'm going to start stoking. If I'm going to stoke, I'm going to have to show and be transgressing biblical commands. The fire, biblical commands official. So for that, for Chazal, they don't need it on. The only time Chazal allowed you to leave a food on which is uncooked is when you put it on just before Shabbos, completely and utterly raw. And it's not going to be used, it's not going to be eaten for many, many, many hours. You're only going to use it the next morning, that's it. So you've got plenty of time for that food to cook. And I don't need to stoke the flame, because I don't want to stoke it, because if I stoke that flame, it's going to make it too hot, and it'll cook too quickly. So I'm going to leave those coals as they are. Yes, they won't be so hot, but you know what? I don't need it so hot. I want to create a slow cooker process. I want to create an a, a, a oven that's going to cook over a period of many hours. I don't, there's no chance of me stoking the coals, and I can leave those that I can leave a raw piece of meat on the flame. So let's run through that again briefly. According to the, the, the first view in the, in the Shulchanot, if it's fully cooked and it's mistamic v'yofano, it's going to improve, can't leave it on. If it's partially cooked, I can't leave it on. Because in both of those cases, I'm worried that I might want to improve the cooking process by soaking the coals. If it's completely raw and I don't want to eat it straight away, I want to allow it to cook for many, many hours, there's little chance of me stoking those coals, and I can leave it on. And if it's fully cooked, and it's only going to be detrimental for it to remain on the flame if it, continue, if it, if it continues to cook, then I can leave it on as well. So in those scenarios, I have two cases where I can leave it on, two cases where I may not leave it on. So far, so good? Simple. Comes along the halacha, and the halacha says a little bit more. If, however, it's on a, a different type of, the second type of heat, it's not on the heat of coals, it's on the heat of kash or gvava. That means just a level of heat that can retain the heat of the food but won't actually cook the food. And there's no worry of stoking because you don't soak straw, etc. You're not going to soak that level of. There's no chance of you putting up the flame there's no knob to put up the flame. Then you'll have to leave it there. No problem. No problem at all. And you can leave it there. I've got no problem whatsoever. Just leave it. You're absolutely fine. You're absolutely fine. Third thing, or, say for love, the third thing I can do is if I took the actual flame and I was gora for cotton. I took the coals and I removed the coals from the oven before I'm. That really removes the worry of me soaking the coals on a Shabbos. That's also okay. So, I have two cases when I'm allowed to leave it on. Flame fully, no problem at all. Two cases where I must not leave it on. But in those two cases when I'm, I must not leave it on, if it's either the second type of heat called Kashuk Baba, or it's the third type of heat called gora for cotton, where I've removed or Damp down the damp down the uh, the flame. Then that's okay. So technically speaking, we have now two different parts to the halachas of Shia. Either I can leave it on the fire as it is, the first two, first two cases, the stomach varaloi and completely raw, or I have to put the black on, which is garlic and cotton, or put it on a hot plate that has no dials on it. If the food is totally raw, if the food is partially cooked, or if the food is fully cooked, and it's only going to get better. So according to this view, for example, water is definitely something which is in stomach virality. Every time you leave water on the gas, what happens to it? It just boils away. So there's no advantage to leave water cooking once it's reached boiling point. No advantage whatsoever. That type of water you can leave on your gas without any black, no problem at all, because there's no worry that you're going to stoke it. What are you going to stoke it for? You don't need it to cook anymore. If you cook it more, it's just going to evaporate. 
So water would be permitted to leave on your guest. Chalant, according to this view, would not be permitted to be left on the, on the guest because your chalant is going to improve. And you want to make sure by tomorrow morning my chalant is just perfect. And you might come down uh, in the middle of Friday night, you realize that the chalant is just not bubbling enough, it's not going to dry out enough, it's not going to burn enough, and therefore it's not going to be as good as you like it. You might put the heat up. Therefore, a chalant, according to this view, would be something you may not leave on the guest. If, however, I had a black, if, however, I put it on a hot plate which had no dials that I could raise, that would be absolutely fine. That's the first view of the short mark. So far, so good? Fine. Let's move on to the second view. second view is far, far, far more lenient. Far more lenient. Completely different. Completely different approach to the whole halacha. And the, the second view has, is, is believes that any food that's already reached Michael ben it's reached the stage of partially cooked, that it's edible that Mr. Ben Drusoye would have, I don't know if I call him Mr., but Mr. Ben Drusoye, I always say if Chazal use him as an example, he must have had some schus. So Mr. Ben Drusoye would eat it, then that can already be left on the gas. You don't need to do anything to it. As long as it's Michael Ben Drusoye, it's fine. It makes a difference if it's going to improve afterwards, if it doesn't improve, if it's worse or better. Anything that's reached the level of Michael Ben Drusoye is absolutely permitted to leave on the gas. So according to that, I've got very little to worry about. I can take my challenge and I can take my most of our foods are cooked at least partially before Shabbos very few of us put raw food on the, on the gas stove just as Shabbos is coming in most of us have put partially, food, partially cooked food and most of the food that we put on is already either fully cooked just might improve or partially cooked at least to the level of Michael Brenger soy and of course I have no problem put it on the gas well, forget your black just put it back in your, in, your, in your loft you don't need it anymore just life is simple that's the second view. Comes along the remark and says, What is the Minig in Ashkenaz? The remark says, The Minig in Ashkenaz and in France. He says, The Minig in Ashkenaz and in France was like the second view. As long as it's partially cooked, reached the level of Michael Benjusoy, you can put your pot on, you don't need your blast, you don't need your hot plates, you don't need anything. And we're not worried you're going to stoke it, because once it's reached partial cook, you don't stoke anymore, because you're too nervous it's going to overcook. So what do you do? You just leave it. Most people don't stoke food after Michael Benjusoy. However, and this is where the problem starts, however, so would, life would be very simple for us. We're Ashkenaz, we follow the view of the remote, particularly in Irish, we definitely follow the, the view of the remote. So why should we be so from? Let's just forget the blessed, forget the hot plates, make life so much easier. Put the gas on, whatever, whichever level you want, put your pot on, and shalom on your go to bed and go to sleep and have a nice Shabbos. Comes along with Mishnah Brewing, he says, when the remark says here the minig is like the second view, he didn't really mean to say the minig was like the second view. He meant to say that we have a problem because most people don't bother worrying about the first opinion and they just follow the second opinion. And even though it's not right, that's what they did. But says the Chabbos Chaim, it's not right. That's not the correct halacha. And most poskim are of the opinion that you have to follow the first view. And that is why blechs have become normal. And that is why hot plates have become normal. And slow cookers have become normal as we'll discuss. But in order to get around the problem of leaving a pot on the flame, which would mean I can't leave my chalent on the fire, and I can't perhaps leave partially cooked food on the fire, which Friday night, maybe I put my chicken on an hour before Shabbos, is not quite ready, and I want to leave it on the flame to continue cooking so it should be just right when it comes to the, the, the main course of the meal, then, according to the first view, I must have a gore for cotton, I must have a blech, I must have something that's going to cover the flame and reduce the flame and make sure that it doesn't have gotten, there's no worry that I'm going to actually come and be mechate, come and be, st- and stoke the coals. So therefore, since the Chavos told us that we have to really seriously worry about the first view, therefore that's the minute today, and almost everybody today will follow the first opinion and will make sure that they do not leave something which is mistamig v'yopolei, something which is, improves with time on the gas without the blech.
it's become the standard accepted minute today. So those with the, mm, if somebody says to you, I, I keep the old minute and I keep it on because that's what I did at home and my grandfathers and my great grandfathers, you can't criticize them because Ramon says that's fine. He seems to say that's fine. But the accepted minute today, and that's the minute that we all follow, is to make sure that we do have a black and we don't leave anything that's going to improve. However, things that are not going to improve, water or chicken soup, or I don't know if chicken soup does improve, I don't think it does. Anything that evaporates would. would if you've got all the stuff in it, but if you've got nothing no, in it, no, yeah. so is that better or worse? Okay, I'll leave that to you. But anything that, that so anything that doesn't improve, there's no problem. Anything that doesn't improve, then we make sure we have a blech. Why blechs work and how they work? If, if I'm not actually doing anything to the to the fire, we will discuss not today because after after on tomorrow now, Reza Shem in the coming room, we will discuss it more at length. The whole process of blacks, slow cookers, hot plates, etc., to try and understand exactly what's happening and what we're doing. Now, thank you very much, and we'll see you again in two weeks' time, Reza Shem.